Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast, which delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 180 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are breaking things up a little bit and bringing on a special guest who we absolutely love, who has been a huge supporter of us in so many ways. We had Christina Kerp back on in episode 94 when she was releasing her book, Made Whole, and we're really excited to have her back today to talk about loving the food that loves you back, dropping diet dogma, and all things about her new book, Made Whole, Made Simple. Yes, I am super excited to have an awesome chat with Christina. We really overlap in our alignment on so many things from whole foods first to metabolic flexibility. And as Becky said, that diet dogma and my whole doctrine creates disconnect element. It's going to be an awesome conversation and I can't wait to get into it. All right. Before we dive in and read Christina's bio, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Further Food. Yes, further food products are the highest quality gelatin, collagen, and they provide health food tonics as well. Their sourcing is superior, providing grass-fed, pasture-raised, and wild-caught in their cod collagen. All of their products are non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free, which is important when you're sourcing animal products as a component of your therapeutic food as medicine journey. Uh, Both Becky and I use either or both their collagen and gelatin on a daily basis. And this is such an important foundation to your food as medicine artillery because collagen and gelatin, so gelatin is comprised um, of collagen and it's going to be gelatinized more at a cold temperature. So a little bit less recipe flexibility, but more therapeutic bang for your buck in the gelatin. And then the collagen is going to be able to be used in hot or cold delivery without thickening as much. Um, But both collagen and gelatin provide us support for our connective tissue, which means support for elasticity in the skin. Um, It means, and we've seen in double blind placebo research study, uh, reduction in cellulite. So so definitely for dermatological tissue, anti-aging effects, but beyond the skin, we're looking at hair, we're looking at nail health, we're looking at gut health and vascular health. We've seen research studies that show that collagen can actually help to prevent pressure ulcers, as well as supporting that integrity of our gut lining, which is going to prevent food sensitivity and leaky gut. And then on a vascular level, we've even seen more elasticity and um, vascular capacity. So we're talking about the vessels that carry blood nutrient flow throughout our body and support cardiovascular health. Collagen and gelatin can be a great tool for you on a daily basis as serving as a protein building block as well. So check out furtherfood.com 
gmail.com. Put in the code Allie Miller RD and you will save on your first order. Um, grab a tub of collagen and gelatin, and you might consider some of their superfood tonic, tonics as well when you're there. Uh, their mindful matcha or their daily turmeric tonic are both favorites of ours. Go on over to furtherfood.com and use the code Allie Miller RD at checkout. Yes, and I know our guest coming on today is actually a huge fan of using gelatin in flexible recipe application from things like meatballs to thickening sauces and much, much more. Um, so we'll probably get into that a little bit today at least. So I'll go ahead and read her bio and then we'll bring Christina on. Christina Kirp is a nutritional therapy practitioner and former restaurant chef with a BA in anthropology. Her love of food, particularly using real food to heal, inspired her popular food blog and wellness site, thecastawaykitchen.com. She's the author of Made Whole Cookbook, the co-host of BodyWise Podcast, and a food as medicine advocate. She is a Miami native with Cuban roots who is currently living in Virginia or wherever her husband's Navy career takes them. At 29 and two years postpartum, Christina hit rock bottom with her health. On top of an anti-inflammatory skin condition that she's lived with for years, hydrogenitis superativa, she began to experience many mystery symptoms and inflammation, and she took to the kitchen to find wellness. Using her culinary prowess and love of research, she began to discover the connection between her symptoms and the food she ate. This ongoing experiment birthed her blog, which is a collection of inventive, allergen-friendly, low-carb, and whole food recipes that helped her reverse autoimmune disease, lose weight, and take control of her own health and well-being. Christina is empowering people to heal from the inside out as her life's work. With a mix of grit, sass, and a lot of love, she continues to do that through her books, her social media platform, and her nutritional coaching as well. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast, Christina. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be back hanging out with you guys. Yeah, it's very rare actually that we have a repeat guest. So I think our li listeners might already be a little bit familiar with your backstory and background. Um, but since it's been a minute, I'll give you a chance to just give us kind of a, a brief intro of how you got into this work and really maybe a little bit more on what you've been up to since we last spoke on here, because I know you've been a real busy lady. <laughs> yes. So probably like a lot of your listeners and even a lot of your clients and patients, I was someone, I'm someone who I deal with autoimmune issues, um, metabolic issues. Um, and I was just this like, young mom and just, I felt, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm about to be 30. And I feel like I'm like, you know, I don't even know, like not even like a 65 year old, because now I know that age is just a number, right? Um, <laughs> I, you know, people say I feel so old and I'm like, uh -uh, I'm not going to feel like that when I'm old. But um, yeah, I was very ill. I had a lot of inflammation, um, so chronic inflammation, insulin resistance, um, my autoimmune, autoinflammatory skin condition, hydrogenitis superativa was just like flaring all over my body. Um, and it's really painful, like boils, abscesses, and just embarrassing and all sorts of just disability. Like, uh, it's like, a, it's like, this, it's debilitating in many ways. So I turned to food um, and it changed my life with connecting food to symptoms. And I went down that food as medicine rabbit hole five years ago. And last time I was on here, my first book made whole was coming out and it was a combination of like keto and autoimmune paleo. 
um, using the tools, sharing the tools that worked for me. But since then, I enrolled in the Nutritional Therapy Association and um, trained as a nutritional therapy practitioner. So now I work as an NTP and learning like the whys and the mechanisms behind why the things worked and what didn't was just so eye-opening for me and really gave me an understanding of like this bio-individual way. And it was great because even during the course, I remember thinking, now I know what Becky and Allie are talking about. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, like I loved it because I could really understand um, the hows and the whys. And I became so passionate on sharing that with people as well, a lot like you guys do. And as you know, food has always been my thing because I was a restaurant chef. And so fine tune that like nutrient dense kind of functional nutrition um, with the way I create recipes. And yeah, I've been doing that and working now. I work with Dr. Becky Campbell, um, who's a functional medicine doctor out of Florida with her practice. Um, so that's how I work. Like that's how I use my NTP working with her. Um, and yeah, second book's about to come out. So busy indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I definitely saw that uh, very clear, Christina, in book two, the NTP background and a deeper dive understanding of a lot, the, the icon and, and, or infographs are fantastic in really layering in that food as medicine element and some of the mechanisms of action and such. And before we get into like nitty gritty microscopic stuff, um, something I want to address, which is different from this book and the last book is, um, you know, this segregation, I know you purposefully didn't want to, to deem it a quote unquote keto book. And I, I want to unpack right. a little bit dropping diet dogma and, um, sharing with listeners how you've discovered your personal food freedom. And, um, you know, last uh, episode we had you on, I still use your, your mantra all the time. Love the food that loves you back. I think that that's such an empowering way to not feel victimized by a therapeutic diet, you know, and, and really to right. wrap your mind around something that like, Oh, this works for me all the time. This works for me some of the time. And this does not serve me ever. <laughs> so let's kind right. of, right. Uh, let's let's discuss how you distinguish that for yourself, and then kind of also the mission of this book and and where you lay in describing this with the the world of diet dogma. Yeah, so I you know I think we all a lot of us go through the, the keto police or paleo police or whatever you want to call it. We find a way of eating, we feel better, we become kind of like you know evangelical about it. Um, but forever is a really long time. You know, when you're, when this is truly a lifestyle, not a one year, not a two year, not even a three year commitment, when you're saying like forever, it's, you realize that you have to have flexibility to travel, to go to different countries, to eat your grandma's, you know, special recipe, you know, even if you have to adapt it, but to get as close as possible, because we are, you know, humans, um, we're the only animals that season our food, change it. We're like alchemists in the kitchen. You know, we manipulate it. Um, and I think that that's beautiful. And so I don't want people to lose that, to lose that passion for food just because they're using food to heal. I don't, you know, I don't, I think you can still love food and be a foodie and use food as medicine at the same time. Yes. Um, and so I break down the feel good foods, right? Your feel good foods, the foods that make you feel good. That, that should be your everyday, right? Your usual suspects, what makes up your, the most of your, like the majority of your diet. And then I think there's worth it foods, those foods that, Hey, maybe a little bloating, maybe a little headache, maybe just feel meh afterwards. But you know what, maybe on Christmas, or if you're traveling, you're going to give it a try because in that moment it's worth it. And then the hard no foods, which for me, you know, like nightshades and gluten um, and like most grains are like 
they make me feel like death and like, I never want to eat them on purpose ever. <laughs> yes. um, and I think that giving myself that flexibility where before I used to live in the box of feel good foods only ever, nothing else outside of there. And the stress of that was almost impairing my ability to make this a lifestyle. Um, and that's when you see people getting into like on the wagon, off the wagon, I cheated. I saw yes. the wagon, like that vernacular drives me insane. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because it makes it seem like the way that we do eat is not the norm. No, this is the norm. This is the regular. This is how we live. Um, so just allowing yourself to be, Hey, I'm a grown, I'm a grown woman. Like I can make a choice. Even if that food has consequences, if you're making a conscious choice to accept that consequence, that's your prerogative, right? There's no moral implication there. And I think it's just like, um, I know both of us have discussed in different ways on Instagram or whatnot, how when the body is less stressed, you likely will have less reactivity. You know, some people will say, oh, I travel here and there and, and I can indulge in this way. But then when I'm at home and I'm in my grind of my nine to five and I'm, you know, balancing all the things, I have to stay tighter. And so there's this seasonality, there's a stress element, there's, and, and with stress that plays both a role in demand as well as vulnerability in, in the gut and, and vulnerability in the immune system for sure and inflammatory processes. Right. Um, but I love that it, it helps to frame this, this Venn diagram, <laughs> if you will, right. of, you know, food having, right. I think a part of nourishment includes joy and includes community and includes celebration. And that's why I've always right. kind of deemed this concept of a mindful indulgence. I think that having a mindful indulgence, there's a, a time and a place for it. And, and whether that's an almond flour you know, based cookie or whether that is a gluten-free blend, which is maybe less health supportive, but maybe more closer to the texture. Right. Kind of when you decide, is that a seasonal once in a radar? Or is this a weekly or is this a monthly thing that I'm going to use within the constructs of, of how I feed myself? Absolutely. And I love that you made that, like the difference between like, for me, an almond meal cookie would definitely be still a worth of food, but maybe something I'd have like once a month where just a gluten-free cookie as long as it didn't have potato starch could be maybe like a once or twice a year thing, because right. I think that people also have, like, I got into that point where I was avoiding foods. Like there are foods that don't eat right. Like white rice. I love using white rice as an example. Nothing happens to me when I eat white rice, you know, it's just, I don't really eat grains all the time. Like of all the grains that one, I know I digest fine. I don't eat it a lot because I do feel better on a low carb lifestyle, but I have literally zero repercussions from eating white rice. So sure. for me, the worth, the worth it aspect to it is just, Hey, I prefer to be in ketosis or I just feel better, like lighter on my feet, more mental clarity. Um, but again, for a long time, I avoided it hardcore just out of that notion. It's not paleo. I dogma. can't have it. You know, yeah, yeah, the yeah. dogma. Right. <laughs> and so when I got rid of that, I was like, Oh, no big deal. I can make some white rice. I can cook it in the pressure cooker. I can soak it. I can cook it in bone broth. You know, I can still make it something nourishing and enjoy it from time to time. And especially, and I know you and I agree on this. Like I do car, I practice carb ups around my cycle, around my workouts. And I don't always have to eat sweet potatoes. Sometimes I do that, you know, bone broth with white rice and I'm fine. Whereas before I omitted the food out of dogma, out of fear, not out of necessity. And I think a lot of people are stuck there. Yeah. And that's that whole, I love to say that doctrine creates disconnect. And I think that when you get into listening to your own personal connection, which it does take rigidity, just to be clear for listeners, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Like you said, this is because this is the next book to show you what to do to live your life. Right. And it does right. take that ringing out um, of a restrictive protocol to push the reset button on an inflamed and a body that is 
diseased, you know, not working optimally. Mm -hmm. um, but with that being said, when you can start to make this personalized feedback and this roadmap, things like for me, like cassava is one that I always have GI stress to. So for some purists, that would be a better fit within the constructs of a paleo diet than let's say white rice. But for others, right. it, this is where we get to take that individualized N equals one. And I think that that, that empowerment is what really creates food freedom and creates more sustained outcome. A hundred percent. And I, and I do agree. Like we have to come through, you have to go through like the tunnel of restrictions to come up the other yeah. side. Um, we just see a lot of people stuck in their restrictive phase right now, or they're restricting without dealing with root cause. And then they're just backing, they're working their way into a corner where they're now like intolerant to even more foods or just totally fearful of trying anything. So, um, and I know, you know, it's been talking about stress, like you mentioned before, like people then get scared of food and then eating becomes a stressful thing. And then their digestion's impaired every time they sit down to a meal and they can't tolerate anything. Um, totally. So yeah, understanding the why. So, so also when people go through the protocols, they understand what's happening, you know, um, I think is really important. Totally. That's a huge element of just listening to knowing what to listen for in your body. First of all, like what does feedback look like? for me, because some people I think are right. so out of touch that they don't know what to look for. Um, and then kind of taking that stress element out of like, um, just listening to your own body's feedback versus it's a yes, no list. And it has to be this way all the time. I love that. And I think we're totally, totally on board. Um, and another element I, I want to address, um, just kind of in keeping with our philosophy, of stress and really working to find resilience and mellow. I know your book has some nitty gritty science on the role of the vagus nerve and the HPA access. And then you've even got some affirmations in there um, for harnessing the inner mean girl. So I want to talk about that. <laughs> and I also want to unpack, this might be two questions, but um, a little bit of kind of the, the journey of birthing this book versus the prior. I know you've been sharing your own personal stress story on Instagram as well. Yes. Yes. So I do, I, I, I had a teacher actually at Bentier and he was so in tune with the emotional side of healing. And as someone with autoimmunity and just, you know, you work in this space as women who work in this space and the more people you talk to and you see this pattern. And I think it's, something that isn't talked about enough, but the mental health aspect or just the prevalence of traumatic childhood experiences um, in people with autoimmune disease. And so I just wanted to, to, to add that box to the book so people really understand that there is a mind-body connection. Because oftentimes in seeking community, we tend to fall into this, I see people talking, my, like, you know, my HS, my Hashimoto's, my lupus, my this, like they're taking this ownership of their condition and it's just, they're repeating it day in and day out. You know, I have autoimmune disease. I have inflammation and they're sharing it, but you're almost like, it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy. And one of the tools that was integral for me to heal was to let go of that notion that I am a sick person. Yeah. I am not a sick person. I am a healthy person. And I had to think like a healthy person to be a healthy person. Um, so that's why I also had the affirmations because I, something I practice um, in my healing was, I mean, every night as I go to sleep, I just like repeat to myself, like I am thriving. I am strong, depending on what's going on, you know, whether I need to feel stronger or I need to feel calmer. Um, 
the, the body will do what the mind believes. So true. So and connecting do, that. do you have one you can share with listeners? And then I'm curious about other strategies that you've uh, layered on and, and, and you are continuing to layer on as bubble wrap going into the, the launch of this book release. Yes, your adaptogens boost. It's been a big one. Uh, really, it's been phenomenal. So I gave up coffee. That was another big one for me. I mean, okay. I was like, you can take my freedom, but you get, you know, whatever, like Braveheart <laughs> with my coffee. I was like, that's the last thing you can take. But I switched to decaf and to chaga tea because, um, yeah, this year it's not just book launch. It's my husband deploying. It's we just we just closed on a house. Like in fe- so it's like February 4th, closing on a house. March book going like going live. April husband deploys to like Iraq. Like what? Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, yeah, my- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I knew going in, um, and it's really been working. I mean, on top of course of like like you said, like the bubble wrap because this is on top of prioritizing sleep and movement and a very nutrient dense diet. Um, but proof is in the pudding. Actually, I just had my adrenals tested and like you know everything looks phenomenal like my morning cortisol was like a little bit high like dawn effect but it was fully normal the rest of the day like progesterone was great um yeah and like awesome. you know so it was interesting to be like yeah my, the, the lady i work with was like wow like i never see like you're like you didn't even need to like i feel like you wasted your money testing because you're, you're, you're great you're in great shape and i was like well it's good to know that it's working right so yes. the mindfulness the caf and you know the caffeine free which obviously I don't need because I wake up lit so yeah um, yeah right so imagine I was adding caffeine to that already high morning cortisol so I think that it was it was great intuition on my part to cut that out um and yeah and the the adaptogen boost which I take you know in the morning and then before like I do any events and just like after like I work out so all the time (laughs) And that's, that's for listeners, a blend of uh, Panix ginseng and cordyceps and rhodiola. And so I know what was another win for you was that it's nightshade free because a lot of the adaptogen yeah. blends out there will have ashwagandha or other compounds that don't always work with more of an AIP type approach. Right. Yeah. Phenomenal. Cool, cool, cool. So I, I want to hear, I want to kind of geek out on some of this stuff in the intro and then we'll talk all of the yums. <laughs> so I want to okay. talk about um, the food is medicine focus that you put in on electrolyte management. Um, Cause I think this is really important. I'm constantly talking to clients, especially those that are either fluctuating in and out of ketosis or new to nutritional ketosis and are worried about, you know, keto flu and all these side effects that can come with electrolyte instability. And of course, then a lot of our listeners are pretty intensive athletes. Um, I want to both talk about the importance of hydration and maybe some like unknown for listeners symptoms of dehydration where they might be allotting something else going on in their body. And it could be as simple as optimizing their hydration. So let's talk about the importance of hydration and then maybe your, your best three food as medicine electrolyte tips. Yeah. Um, so I agree. People don't often realize like, you know, I always think of, you know, in my big fact week writing, how there was like the dad with the Windex. Yes. Do you remember that movie? <laughs> yes. Right. That's how I feel like I am with, I'm with water. <laughs> like your head hurts, water, you're tired, water. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you have a rash, drink water. So, um, yeah, people, you know, obviously muscle cramps, you know, dehydration, but you know, headaches, anxiety, fatigue. I mean, like even, digestion like people who are constipated like drink water and I mean I'm someone who I love like healthy skincare routines but the best skincare routine you can have is being hydrated totally it's incredible how much more you know how supple your skin is I had you know I had even a client who was who was dealing with dizziness spells 
and just drinking more water. But of course, it's not just drinking the water, but you have to be absorbing it because people are like, yes, my pee is clear all the time. I'm like, well, you know, like, it's great you're drinking water, but we want to make sure you're absorbing it, right? And especially those of us on a lower carb diet, because carbohydrates, when, you know, with every gram of carbohydrates, I think it's like three grams of water that our body holds on to. But right. when we don't have those carbs, we need to absorb them other ways. So electrolytes, you know, help our body, especially sodium, right? Um, and salt is not the devil. And I'm sure the people we work with, you know, we know, like salt is good. Salt is our friend, salt your food. Um, but, um, you know, it's, other minerals as well so we want to like make sure you're getting potassium which my favorite is of course um avocado yes. which is so good because you can do i know you like to do it with some like lemon juice on top and some yep. real salt um magnesium is another good one and you can get that in like leafy greens i know you're always you talk about that as well um with your i've seen it you made a really good graphic on it one day um as well as like pumpkin seeds um calcium and which you can get from you know people of course like dairy but leafy greens and sardines which i love sardines i know they're not everyone's favorite um but it's important because our body doesn't make minerals you know and i and i found it really interesting and in our studies when they told us that like you know when we if we burn let's say i know people, some people get buried but um that like what's left in our ash is like the minerals so it's like they come from the earth and they return to the earth yeah yeah and i just i love that Ooh, yeah, I, I found that really cool. Best way to get in sardines. Uh, let's share yeah, that once since you mentioned it. <laughs> what's your trick? Oh, yeah. We have a hard time. <laughs> okay. I know. So I actually, in the book, I have a sardine cake recipe. And so I kind of, you know, I, I, I always buy the, the one without the bones. And I really like the wild planet. They have these, um, that they're packed in olive oil with some lemon and they're lightly smoked. Mm. And I crumble them up and like flake them out into a little plate. And um, I mix them with like a bunch of minced red onion and fresh dill. And I think I use a little egg to bind and I use a little coconut flour and I pan fry it. Um, and then I drain the, the, the oil from the can because it's olive oil with lemon. And I like emulsify that into a dressing. Oh, yeah. And it's so good. And I tell you, it's not fishy at all. Like people are always like mind, even my husband ate them and was like, these are great. And I'm like, they're sardine. And he's like, shut up. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's really the only way I'll even eat them. Because I know some people go hardcore with the fishy fish. Yeah. And as much as I love seafood, I don't like fishy fish. Um, it's, it's so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I remember you, when you were releasing your early copies, your husband on Instagram was looking through the pictures and or, or the recipes and he was like, <laughs> oh man, what? There's offal in that? <laughs> Organs and yeah. You're like, yeah, dude, just, yeah, just, yeah. Ingredients, just keep eating it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Because I did like, a, okay. there's a, a recipe called the super, I call them superhero bowls. <laughs> and so it's my take on the ever popular um, egg roll in a bowl recipe that like everyone makes, but I totally put liver in there. Um, and yeah, him and Jack were noshing on that, like so hardcore. And I was like, yeah, you know, you need to like, like, it's amazing. Cause I think that a lot of us think that, you know, our family won't eat this. And I'm like, well, they, you don't, they don't have to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Awesome. So the book is Made Whole, Made Simple. It comes out March 10th, and we are going to discuss some of Christina's favorite recipes as well as some of ours in a moment. But first, we're going to take a word from ourselves dun, 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 um, and talk a little bit about the Naturally Nourished Supplement line as our mid-roll sponsor. Yes. So you heard Christina mention Adaptogen Boost, and that is just one of our supplements in the Naturally Nourished line 
that deliver potency, purity, and efficacy. So these supplements are powerful tools and under the guidance of a trusted practitioner, they can deliver really profound health benefits. Um, so Ali, do you want to tell us a little bit about the background of starting the Naturally Nourished line? I'm, yeah, I mean, I've always been on the forefront of emerging science to deliver food as medicine and functional medicine information. And I remember a, a light bulb went off in my head when I first learned the term orthomolecular therapy at Bastyr University and learned about the power of megadose or higher than the RDA guidelines of nutrients. So this is talking about vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, amino acids, and every product within the Naturally Nourished supplement line will be vetted by me first and foremost, and has been used in my clinic through um, thousands of clients over the last decade. We really employ a science first concept. So we ensure that every product has um, very clean and transparent raw material sourcing, product formulation and potency regulations and assurances that are far beyond those within the guidelines of GMP and NSF qualifications. All formulas are 100% gluten-free, free of all forms of soy, non-GMO, and as Becky said, potent, pure, and effective. Just comparing our super turmeric to other turmeric products on the line, what you'll see is many list the turmeric by weight. Um, so they might give you 1,000 milligrams or 500 milligrams of turmeric. But when we're looking at dosing and efficacy, we want to see percentage breakdown of those curcuminoids. These are the compounds that have been shown in research to be effective as anti-inflammatories and antioxidant support. So one capsule of our one gram super turmeric has 380 milligrams of curcuminoids. And when compared to a competitor, that one only had 17 milligrams. So we're talking 380 to 17 um, and similar price point. So another thing you'll see about the Naturally Nourished Supplement line is we always provide uh, formulas two to 5% below market industry standard. And um, on top of this, then we offer you subscription discounts, bundle discounts, and seasonal promotions. All of our products are guaranteed free of mold, toxins, contaminants, and contain the stated active ingredients in the dosages noted. Again, far superior than anything you'll find over the counter. So um, you can go on over to AllieMillerRD.com under shop. You can check out all of the 35 plus products in our line. During this time of the year, great tools to enhance and support immune system, um, aid in stress resilience and tolerance, and just overall whole body health. All right, back to the book, Christina. So Made Whole, Made Simple, as Ali said, coming March 10th. Um, what inspired it? What need were you looking to fill? And let's talk a little bit about who can benefit from this book. Yeah, so I, you know, working as um, just a content creator and recipe developer in like the paleo and keto space, um, I saw a need for a book that wasn't a plan because I'm that person that like, you know, and even with my first book, I gave people the tools that worked for me, but going back to a truly bio-individual approach, um, I, want, I want more people to understand the mechanisms behind, behind why certain things work and not only people doing keto, like for everyone who wants to feel better. Um, because as we know, keto is phenomenal, but it doesn't work for everyone or it's not right for everybody. But um, I wanted to um, yeah, just reach more people with this food as medicine message. And I think that when, you know, writing a book that really covers like the foundations of health and breaking down digestion, you know, how it, like how it works optimally, what happens when dysfunction occurs, and then what are habits 
to, you know, help optimize it. And then again, with hydration, like why it's important, you know, what happens when you're dehydrated, then, hey, here are some like food sources of electrolytes that'll help you stay hydrated. Um, and again, fatty acid balance, blood sugar regulation, same kind of concept. So people understand what's going on, like in their bodies. And, um, you know, I'm sure you see this as well, that a lot of times, um, especially women who have been uh, applying a certain tool, specifically if they're after weight loss, they hit these stalls, right? And then what happens is because they don't understand what's happening into their bodies, they do what I call like the escalation effect. <laughs> so <laughs> they either start fasting on, or start hit workouts or start like they start layering on things. It's like, I'm going to eat less and move more and go longer without eating and work out harder. Or this, And it's like, they're digging themselves into this hole. Like, and and I just, I feel like, you know, you can't, you want to like help everyone, but it's hard. Right. And so kind of writing the book was, was to help these people. Like I want people, someone to read this book and be like, Oh, that's what's going on in my body. And then giving them, you know, nutrient dense recipes to support, right. Like, um, optimal function, because I mean, I like, even with your supplements, like I a hundred percent agree that these therapeutic doses of nutrients are so powerful. And when you work with a practitioner and you get these amazing supplements, like I use several of yours, it's life-changing. But on top of that, there has to be nutrient density in your everyday meals. And I find that's always, (laughs) I'll be interested when we connect next, Christina, now that you'll have like a a good amount of uh, clinical client work under your belt, because I always find that the, the less is more is the most difficult Mm-hmm. element of education and intervention. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone, oh. give me the magic bullet. Give me the quick thing. What can I write? What can I do? Can I fast longer? Can I eat less? Can I take this pill? Can I, what can I do? And sometimes it's that you need to just be, you need to just release. Mm. You need to, I love to use this scenario with weight loss with women about like a candle with like a slow melt versus like white knuckling and, and trying to hold on to your body to lose weight. Because I always right. use that explanation of like, when you're white knuckling, when you're not exhaling, when you're not releasing, your body starts to layer for survival because it doesn't know what you're going to do to it next. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, right. you just pulled away my food. You just put me in a cold temperature bath. Now you just did that. Now what the heck are you going to do to me next? Because I don't trust you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And the it's body crazy because you... <laughs> Go ahead. Right. And it's, and it's wild because we like, we talk about it till we're blue in the face. Like you talk about managing stress and drinking more water and just like these little things, but for some reason it doesn't click in the everyday thing. And you see the same things happening over and over again. Like you see someone who's I'm eating all the right things, but like, why am I still reacting to foods or not feeling well? And I'm like, well, like, you know, then you see like what they're eating and you're like, you know, you just drank, you know, a giant Topo Chico with your meal. So like, maybe you're not digesting <laughs> mm-hmm. your food properly because you watered down your stomach acid or um, Hey, like you're not losing weight, but like you're on like this major deficit and you're working out. You're like, is like, isn't that the, like the definition of insanity? Like doing right. the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I understand that, you know, we, we've been almost like conditioned not to trust ourselves, especially yeah. women. Like we've been conditioned not to trust our bodies. Like they put us on birth control at a young age. They don't teach us about tracking our cycle. We're told to like, we're just being dramatic. We have to get over things. And so of course we just, we push, 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 push. But if we truly trusted our bodies, I'm like, wow, if I, if I treat it properly and nourish it and, and, and I'm gentle with myself, like maybe it'll just like find homeostasis, you know, which includes a happy totally. body weight, you know? 
Totally. I love that. And, and like yeah. you said earlier on about getting to the root cause, I love the, the topo uh, or sparkling water example in general, because it's like, yeah. right, then that type A individual is like, oh, well, now I can't have, um, that was definitely must have been the cabbage. Now I can't have cabbage. <laughs> so they're yeah. like striking and editing and removing versus thinking like, oh, maybe I didn't chew. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Maybe I just right. didn't chew my food um, <laughs> as opposed to- No, absolutely. <laughs> It's incredible how many people, right now, there's this um, wave of like, like we talked about, elimination protocols 100% have their place and they're very useful. I mean, I myself have done several. However, again, you're not necessarily, because the elimination protocol alone isn't going to fix all your problems. Because if you can do AIP and then still have SIBO, you know, or you can can do an elimination protocol and still have low stomach acid and it's going to be contributing to like an ongoing dysbiosis or leaky gut, you know, so you can remove it like inflammatory foods and sure, you're going to have less, less reactions or less symptoms, but you have to go in and really optimize like north to south, like start at the top with a you know, with a parasympathetic state and work down from there. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, totally. Cause yeah, people are just omitting. Yeah. And people are just omitting food groups and not thinking about, I mean, I had someone the other day, again, like the clinical experience, you know, telling me that they, um, you know, found, or like they, they, there was a certain food that they kept seeing and like whole or like larger pieces in their stool. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I'm pretty, like, it shouldn't be that many large pieces like that. You have to, you have to chew it, you know, like, and it was just something, but then the first thought was, I'm not digesting that food. I shouldn't eat it. And I was like, well, you have to chew it first, <laughs> because it's, you know, and it's, yeah. And it's, it really is sometimes much simpler than we believe that we are living in this fast paced, go, go, go lifestyle that does not um, support slow, the slowdown, you know? Totally. Totally. Let's explore a little bit on um, the ancestral template. I, I, I want to hear yeah. your take on that because I know you did a lot of research um, there. And when we were talking last, uh, I think I saw you last at KetoCon, so that would have been last summer. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were kind of talking about the the rise of carnivore and you know where where do plants fit? And you and I have jived on your Instagram on that, you know, friend or foe. Um, what, what were some of your findings and, and what were some things that were maybe surprising to you um, when you dug deeper into that element of, of putting this book together and the ancestral template, the findings of um, eating, I guess, eating yeah. programs and plants? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I majored in anthropology, so this has always kind of been a, a, something of interest to me. And it, it, it's even become more of interest to me lately because you see a lot of people flinging around, you know, human appropriate diet or species of, you know, like there's terms, people are, people are, a lot of people in the carnivore space tout that that's how we ate, you know, that, that we were all carnivores and that's why we should all. And I'm like, I a hundred percent agree that we were meat eaters, that like humans, pretty much every civilization consumed animals. However, um, we went to great lengths to find plants, even when they weren't readily available. So not, we might not have consumed them in large amounts in certain places of the world, right? But um, yeah, there's on page like 37 of the book, there's this map and there's these beautiful graphics. Actually, all the graphics are hand-drawn by my friend, Joanna, who's this incredible artist, but- um, They are beautiful. But if you go to the back of the book, they are, yeah, thank you. But they, um, all of the, the even th- this graphic, like if you go to the back of the book, there's all the citations, like this is, this was researched. And so 
you know, you're going to see a lot of, yes, definitely different types of animals and a lot of, you know, seafood, everything from turtles to ducks to snakes to whales to, you know, walrus, but also root vegetables, fruit, honey, milk, um, and, and yeah, leafy greens. So I found it, I found it interesting that, um, that I honestly didn't realize that dairy was something that humans were eating that long ago. Um, but a lot of civilizations do eat, like the hunter-gatherers were into into milk, especially like um, in Africa and Asia. But um, you definitely meat heavy. But even in like the Inuit or the Plains, like they did go, they did try to find um, berries um, and herbs when they could. And they would like either ferment them or just like save them any way they could to, mm. so they would last longer. Um, and a lot of seafood, like, we ate a lot more um, fish and of course, you know, we were eating nose to tail. So the ancestral template, and that's another funny thing is that it wasn't actually, I mean, it was low carb because I guess of like, if you think about, um, you know, it was easier, like when you killed the large game, right, you had all this meat, right. And if you had, if you went foraging, you probably wouldn't like acquire large amounts of whatever food, but the, the ancestral template was really animal meat and organ and seafood, animal fat, fruit honey and honeycomb, root vegetables, and then in smaller amounts, nuts, seeds, and herbs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it makes sense because, you know, fruits actually, they don't have like anti-nutrients, um, like unlike vegetables do. So it was interesting that I just found that, I mean, of course, it's been tomatoes, like tropical fruit and stuff like that. So I found right. that really interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, when you think about like caloric bang for your buck, or like energy, when you think about energy, like what's going to give you more energy, you're going to get energy from fat. And then you're going to get energy from like fruit for something with more sugar in it. Right. And then of course, the thing is that with our ancestors, they never had those things together. Like think about nature, you don't find high carb and high fat together in nature. Right. It doesn't exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, though, humans have learned to make these things together. And they're super hyper palatable, because it lights off all of our little like survival signals, like, Oh yes, this will fatten us up for winter. Let's eat more, you know. Dopamine surge, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I found that really interesting. And I liked giving the information to people um in a way that just supports the metabolic flexibility mm-hmm. um argument, which I think is that's why our ancestors were that's why we're able to get into ketosis. We are meant to be able to burn glucose and fat. We are meant to be, you know, hybrids. Mm-hmm. And that's why we survive for so long. So I think honoring that is important. I love that. And I love what you say on this next page after um, the ancestral graphics. You've got a little bit about uh, the power is yours. What you do with this information is your choice. My suggestion is to focus on foundational health. Don't think about what to eat, but do add foods from the pharmacy to your plate. Focus on nutrient density keep your eyes on your own plate. I say that all the time. I love that. And keep it super simple. We burned the wagon. Don't build a new one. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. So great. Thank you. Yeah. There's a chapter, there's a section in the front of the book called burn the wagon. Um, like I said, I don't like that vernacular. I'm off the wagon. I'm on the wagon. I sure. cheat days because you know, you eat the cookie, you have the rice, you have the, this, like life goes on. It's just, it's part of you have to just frame it as like, it's the ebb and flow, the natural flow of life. It's, we're not static. We're not meant to be, even our, even our ancestors, like think about like the, like our ancestors when they were out, you know, whatever migrating, if they came across, if it was summertime or spring and they came across 
you know, an orchard of ripe fruit trees, they weren't going to be like, nah, it doesn't fit into my macros, you know, like, they're going to be like, give me that. Uh (laughs) They were going to like, eat themselves into a food coma or like fermented and get wasted. I don't know. You know, like, I think that it's, it's interesting because we forget that there is, it's an ebb and flow. You can have a day where all you want to eat is meat. Great. And then you can have a day where all you want to eat is fruit. Great. You know, and just, we're not meant to be static. And I think that um, while counting macros and learning, you know, how your body uses food as energy and how you feel your best, right? Because if you might feel your best a certain way, and I think it's, there's a lot of things that you can learn about yourself, but don't get stuck and don't, don't get stuck in the rigidity of it out of fear. You know, people are fearing foods. Like there's people out there scared to death of a sweet potato. And right. I, I want them to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the only place for fear is in chemical shitstorms, which are not totally. belonging in the human body. They're not food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Every real exactly. food There's has so its many place. Other things to fear. <laughs> yep. yes, well, totally. that's an interesting thing with the keto space. And, you know, you and I have kind of talked about this. Like, there's people who are, like, again, scared to death. Like, they, they shy away from carrots and sweet potatoes, but yet they have no problem going to the McDonald's drive through and getting a bunless burger. Right. And I mean, I use the term burger extremely loosely because it's coming from McDonald's. So, and I'm like, I find that I find that there's a problem there because, you know, one thing is like, okay, one day food, you're starving, whatever. But if it's, if that's your everyday normal where you're focusing on macros over food quality, I really feel that like, you're just, you're doing more harm than good. And so, yeah. Totally, totally. We're, we're, we're on the same page or like, you know, using a fruit to sweeten something like mashed banana or dates versus like the erythritol. I mean, we could go on and on. <laughs> we could. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, definitely. It's hard. Yeah. So this book doesn't use any sugar alcohols. Um, and like my, like so the, the last one I used a little bit, um, this one I didn't use any, and I've gotten so many questions on why I stopped using them. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, it's a processed food. Like it was once upon a time, many, many, and then like the galaxy far away, it was once born. <laughs> and now it's just yes. like mm-hmm. white powdery substance. So again, not something that, um, yeah, falls into that ancestral template for me. And again, I think that, you know, since I removed sugar alcohols from my diet, I, my sugar cravings, like I can eat dark chocolate, but like, I don't really bake that much anymore. And I used to love baking and eating baked goods, but like, I'm not, my cravings have really like gone away. Um, and when I do indulge in something that just has the sugar in it, that comes, it's already present in the dark chocolate. That's a good quality chocolate. It doesn't incite the same response as something that was sweetened with erythritol that then is like overly sweet or like you know, matching sweetness to something that's more conventional or processed, you know? That hyper palatability so. for sure. Yeah. And I think that yeah. breaks the intuitive eating element. Like you said, if, if you think of food as information and you want to empower yourself with the, the sustainability of making this a lifestyle, you have to be able to understand the information. <laughs> so if the information right. is in a false template or it's um, you know, muffled and, or it's chemically adulterated, it's, it's difficult for the body to translate that. So it's kind of just a simplified way of breaking that down. I don't know. Right. No, it makes sense. I think that like, that's, and like we said, like you said earlier, it's like people really have to connect with their bodies, but there's so many like things like people are just constantly messing with that connection or like interrupting the signal. And so, um, when, when you're really feeling those signals, it's, it's such a 
it's so powerful. It's hard to explain to someone who isn't feeling it yet, but you're like, you really, your body will really tell you like, yes, I need this. No, I don't need this. And even foods that I normally like, like this morning I went to make breakfast and I was just like, I really don't want eggs. So I made myself some turkey breasts and Brussels sprouts instead. And it's just, it's that intuition. I don't know why my body didn't want eggs in it, but it didn't want it. It could be that it already has enough, like, you know, choline or iodine or I don't know, something, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, it's, That's it's, awesome. it's powerful to be in tune. Yeah. Um, to close the gap of kind of the keto, low glycemic, paleo thing, let's talk about um, some micronutrients and um, food as medicine and maybe a couple recipes, and then we'll just talk food to close. Um, you had a section on micronutrients to help with blood sugar regulation, and I thought that that was a really cool part mm-hmm. as well. Um, can you share a little bit of that with the audience and then maybe a recipe or two that you think is rich in one of the featured ingredients? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I love, I think, you know, again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, it's like about, you can add things to your diet. Sometimes, you know, healing through food isn't necessarily all about omission, but, um, adding things. And so there are a lot of nutrients that support, um, blood sugar regulation, uh, vitamin A, you know, support the adrenals among other things as well, of course, but, um, you can get it. It's funny. Cause there's so many repetitive, when you look at the, when you look at the graphics, you're like, Oh, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of like favorites here. <laughs> there are those greens again. They say, hey, broccoli. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like broccoli is a food that's going to have like vitamin A and B7 and chromium. Um, you know, chromium is an important one. It's needed to create glucose tolerance factor. And that one's a, it's interesting because yeah, of course, it's found in low carb foods like beef and, you know, greens and mushrooms and oysters, but it's also found in bananas um, mm-hmm. and in red wine. Um, I also, another one that I really like is, um, I love cinnamon, uh, cinnamon, um, contains a compound that improves and so actually all of the warm spices you know those fall spices that go really really good on squash and pumpkin mm-hmm. um like the corianders um and uh you know the garam marsala just all of those like the cumin those are actually all really good for blood sugar uh, regulation which I, I love um but yeah thiamine which is in, in liver of course and um most protein and then that's as well manganese um and so one of the like I said, we said like the greens and the beef. I love that combination. Like I think beef and broccoli. Oh my gosh. I could eat it like a million different ways to like the, like the cows come home. It's like, so I have a lot of beef and broccoli recipes in the book. Um, and I will show you my favorite one. Let me flip to it. But there is, um, there's a casserole, which is a beef and broccoli skillet casserole, which I really like. Um, but there's also a sesame meatballs and broccoli with a teriyaki sauce. Ooh. And I love it because the the meatballs themselves have avocado in them. Um, so you're also going to get that potassium. And then the teriyaki sauce is made with um, bone broth. And I use gelatin, which is what helps it like get kind of glazy. Um, and it's made with coconut aminos. Um, and it's garlic powder, ginger. Um, it's got um, mustard. And I really like, and I like, I use mustard a lot in my cooking and like mustard seeds. Um, or when mustard's present with, it has a, what is it, a myrosine, which helps your body then mm-hmm. absorb the sulforaphane in, in, um, in the cruciferous vegetables. So I like using that a lot. And even like beef, broccoli, and like mushrooms, there's just so many good synergistic like nutrients that yes. really just taste good together, you yeah. know, like, and it's wonderful when you just put them together. Um, and so I love, I want, I don't want people to like, feel like I love the pharmacy graphics because I think a lot of people be like oh wow look at these things that I already do eat right yeah but also um 
to give them an idea of like when they're putting like when you're putting your food together like the thing that all these ingredients have in common is that it's real food you know um and that's really the message of like when you stick to unadulterated whole food you know you're gonna be good you know Yes. And some of this stuff from tradition, like you said, these warming spices, who knows if ancestrally or, you know, maybe hundreds of years ago, it was discovered that, oh, people felt better when they were eating these starchier, higher carbohydrate vegetables with these warming spices. And and that supports, um, you know, the glucose intake into cells and the same kind of combination. I know that we've discussed before and Becky and I definitely run our heads into a wall when people say, oh, well, yeah, I I don't do dressing on my salad. And you're like, well, dude, you need, (laughs) you need oleic acid. You need, you need, you need oleic acid for fats. Yeah. And, And you need this, the, whether it's citrus or vinegar, but some form of acid to help the mineralization to be absorbed. And so there's these right. things that we've been doing traditionally that don't just taste good, but likely have been done for survival to actually aid in both breaking down anti-nutrients and also supporting the abundance of the delivery of vitamins mm-hmm. and antioxidants. Right. It's like, it's like, uh, what is it like skim milk? It's like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> like, but you know, like the vitamin D, it's like it's yeah. fat soluble, and you like the vitamin D is a cofactor for calcium absorption, and then it's like you're doing the low fat milk, and you're not getting anything out of it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think just like don't mess with it, and I and it's, I think that even like when, okay, you think about the fall, right? Fall harvest, that's when we start getting these starchier vegetables. Fall is right before winter, before we are maybe need to put on a little like of mm-hmm. that winter layer, right? But then you're eating with these you're eating these fall spices, these fall foods, these starchy vegetables with these like carmative spices and they're going to help with digestion as well and the blood sugar regulation. And it's like to keep you metabolically flexible, you know? So yeah, you're, and I just, I think it's so beautiful when you think the same way that like mushrooms, mushrooms are only are like one of the few non-animal sources of vitamin D. Like sure, not a huge source, but it's something. And guess what? When it's super, when like frozen over, guess what? The only thing that's growing mushroom, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Like, I just, I love nature. It's like, she knows what she's doing, (laughs) you know? She's got a plan. (laughs) Got a plan, for sure. Yes. Um, Let's talk about, let's make people's mouth water. So, okay, beef and broccoli. I I totally have that skillet thumbnailed myself. And I've made your roasted cabbage like seven times because I I get a CSA, so Community Supported Agriculture Share. And yeah, I mean you can only do so much with cabbage. And now I'm like, I'm so excited when I get ahead of cabbage. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. I love it. I, I know my mother had never had it that way either. And it's so crazy because it's like these cabbage wedges and you roast them, but they get like nice and charred on the bottom. But it's crazy how like the inner leaves get like sweet. Sweet. And the outer sure. leaves are just crisp. Oh my goodness. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's to die for. Um, So I have a ton of I'm really excited about the seafood recipes in the book. And I know most people aren't big on seafood, but in the front of the book, the fatty acid balance section is something that I'm super passionate about because, you know, the just the omega-6 to omega-3 ratios in most people's diets are way off. And it's such a factor for inflammation. And um, I'm someone that like, I took like NSAIDs for so long. Like Motrin was part of my everyday life for decades because of my auto-inflammatory condition. And it's been five years and I haven't taken as much of Motrin, a Tylenol, nothing, you know, an aspirin. And I manage my inflammation. And a big part of that is because I eat seafood all the time. And so um, I made a ton of salmon recipes in the book. And so one of my favorites, there's two, there's a salmon noodle soup, which I really like because the little bites of salmon are like 
tossed in a powdered like mushroom powder and then pan fried and then I use like butternut noodles and it's so good and then I have these like cured they're crispy salmon wraps and the little salmon slices you cure them overnight like in your fridge so you salt your salmon you put lemon dust on it you leave it in the night in the fridge overnight like unwrapped and so it kind of creates this crust on top mm-hmm. and then you pan fry these little strips so the skin is super crispy oh my gosh but it's like the salmon on top gets this like glossy layer because it's slightly cured um and i put it in a little lettuce wrap with some pickled radish which the radishes are also in the book and it's to die for i mean i served them at a dinner party and i had people who said that they hate seafood and they were eating like thirds you know third servings of this um another one i love is the smoked oyster chowder so oysters are one of my favorite like therapeutic nutrient type foods because you can get a can of smoked oysters and it's going to have amazing amounts of omega-3 and you're going to get zinc and you're going to get selenium and it's just, they're so good for you. And it's so affordable. I mean, like mm-hmm. you can get like the crown and prince, they're, they're packed in olive oil. Um, so I make a, a, a chowder with them, but the creamy base of the soup is essentially a blend of like sauteed onions and softened butternut squash that I blend Ooh. with bone broth. Um, and there's bacon and there's sage in there. And I'm telling you, it's better than New England clam chowder. <laughs> so okay. Good. That's going on the list um, for sure. <laughs> yep. Okay, and then I have two recipes that are kind of like snacky for my people who are like really missing kind of junk food type stuff. So I have chicken chips and the chicken chips sound weird because they're like, what are you talking about, Christina? And they're not chicken skin chips. It's like pita chips, but they're made out of chicken. And so it's a ground chicken recipe that's flattened and baked into, and you cut it up and it's these crispy pita chip like wedges, um, but they're made out of chicken. And it's incredible because normally this kind of food would be hyper palatable, like salty, crunchy, snacky food. But protein has such a high fatty factor that you can't overeat these. Like you will be like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like I am full. And I love it because you can get these chicken chips and enjoy them with some guac or a nice like herby pesto. And like you got a meal. Like you just I ate love that. a protein, vegetable, nutrient dense meal. Yeah. Kids lunches and toddlers uh-huh. lunches. I thought yeah. they were chicken skin too. So now I'm I super just pulled excited. them up. They look amazing. They're like cut into Thank you. and they look like they hold their shape really well. No, no, they're super crispy. Like you can dip them in, pick like, and there's actually, so there's in the side section, there's also a roasted cauliflower hummus that you cannot tell the difference. It tastes like chickpea hummus. So again, you want to have your pita chips and hummus but now you're eating cauliflower and chicken and you just oh, snack, but you also just had a nutrient dense meal. <laughs> oh girl. Yeah. So, Je- so you got Jeff um, eating my almond butter pancakes and Stella will be eating chicken chips. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. It's amazing. No, I love it. And then the other one that's a big game changer, especially for like my picky food eaters. And this one is one that like my son just freaks, like Jack goes to town on these is the legit fried chicken tenders. This is page 228. And so, yes. um, Oh my gosh. So I use the pork panko and like, and there's a recipe in the book for it if you can't buy, get the bacon's air one. But the great thing is that um, talking about good oils, the bacon's air pork panko, like they make their pork rinds, they fry it in olive oil. Um, or you can just make your own, but make sure you're using like a good brand like Epic or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's fried chicken tenders. But imagine you're frying in like coconut oil or tallow or lard and you're getting chicken the chicken breast, which is normally kind of lean, but you're breading it in crumbled chicharrones and pork oh, rinds. And glycine and that broiling back. Yeah. And the, and the crust and the crunch, like you'll never miss 
fried chicken again. And you can actually cook fish the same way and it comes out like perfect fish sticks. So this is my like, if you have picky kids, make them these and you will get them eating. And then you dip them in my, in my blueberry barbecue sauce recipe that's also in the book. Mm. And oh my God, you got your antioxidants, like boom, <laughs> nutrient density and like, you know, a comfort food vehicle. It's like, I just, I'm really excited about it because I get excited about feeding people. <laughs> um, me, you and I both. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, sounds all so good. So, so good. So it's May Hold, May Sample. Um, and the book will be available one day after this episode releases. So we'll be sure to share a link in our show notes. And everyone keep an eye open. I know Christina and I will we'll confirm what we're doing for a giveaway, but I think we're going to do a, a little joint giveaway um, with some fun stuff. So keep an eye out on, on the social media pages. And speaking of that, um, mm -hmm. let's hear where listeners can follow up with you and find your work, Christina. Yeah. So I am at the Castaway Kitchen um, on Instagram and Facebook and you can find me on Pinterest um, and YouTube as well. And my blog is thecastawaykitchen.com. And I have hundreds of free recipes on my website and articles um, and just, you know, like just a lot of free resources as well. But my books and then my books made whole and made simple are available anywhere books are sold and you can also find them through my website. Love it. And our final question, I think we got one from you last time around, but we always ask guests being dietitians, uh, what is your 24 hour recall? And I forget, was yesterday a travel day from book tour? So that might throw a curveball, but maybe that's helpful too for people. <laughs> oh, what did like you eat what, yesterday what, what from I when you woke up to when you went to bed? Yes. Okay. So yesterday was actually a pretty fun day. So I woke up in the morning and I went to the Bulletproof Cafe in Santa Monica. Um, and I had um, their, their coffee smoothie, but I had a decaf and it got, actually, I was kind of pissed because it, I forgot, I didn't read all the ingredients. Like, I mean, I read it, but it, I didn't ask. I didn't ask what it was sweetened with. I assumed it was going to be like honey or something because uh, it said upgraded sweetener. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, anyway, so I had it, it had avocado in it. It had collagen um, coconut milk. It was delicious, but I inquired because I was like, it tastes a little like sweet, sweet. And mm -hmm. then they use malitol. Can you believe it? What? Uh, what? That's what I said. <laughs> I'm like, that's a huge disappointment. Upgraded sweetener, my butt. I'm like, right, you right, right. put that on like, mm -mm. anyway, so that <laughs> happened. And then, and then I had a decaf bulletproof after that to like redeem because I was like, I can't drink this. And then I actually was very fortunate on the plane ride. I was able to bring some leftovers. I had dinner at Belcampo the night before. So I had mm. some grass fed beef with their crispy broccolini um, and a little, a little ramekin of their like Caesar salad dressing with like anchovies in it. Mm -hmm. So I ate that on the plane um, and it was delicious. And I also had some alter eco, like 90% dark chocolate with me. And I brought my own little tea bag. So I had a Robios tea. And that's what I had on the plane. And when I got home that evening, there was a little bit of leftover ground beef um, and some plantain chips that I had before bed. Um, and that was what I ate yesterday. That sounds that's a pretty solid travel day, I would say. Oh <laughs> yeah, it was pretty I mean, like, I'm not that kind of person. Like, if I can't eat well when I travel, I'll fast. Me too. Um, yep, that's true. Because I, it's not like you're already traveling. Your body's obviously not like optimal. So I'm not going to put something in my body that's iffy because that's like surefire way to have an autoimmune flare for me. So mm -hmm. I was very fortunate that I had that leftover food that I brought. And people also know this, like you can literally, you can take food. Like you just can't take water, but you can bring like a feast. Like right. bring your, bring your bento broth, bring your Tupperware. Like you can take food on airplanes. Like don't be shy. Yep. I love it. 
Good, good, good. Awesome. So go on over to thecastawaykitchen.com where you can find all of the things and make sure to snag a copy of Christina's new book, Made Whole, Made Simple. We are certainly going to enjoy it. And I'm going to make sure that all of the ingredients of those um, chicken chips get added to my grocery uh, list this week. And y'all stay tuned. I'll be sharing Stella's um, feedback. Totally. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Christina. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.